it just seems super formal and and in, in, in a lot of ways seems like like kind of more short term, like you go do a sabbatical and then you sort of go back to doing what you're doing beforehand. And I think in a lot of ways, the way that I've been thinking about this time is like, this is just sort of a natural, yet yeah, like, yes, I'm not working, but it is just sort of a natural progression of my journey. And I absolutely expect to sort of, on the other end of this, sort of be a different person and think differently about my priorities and, and, and likely be in a different place. So maybe, maybe that's, that's what bothers me about it. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? Understandably, a tough question for any 20-something to answer. So join me, your host, Taylor Marks of the Rise Year Podcast, as I talk with some cool people about what they do and occasionally go on long rants of my own about the pains of growing up. Today's guest is Harris Brown, who's currently exploring what comes next for him. To start, and I think we'll probably jump into it, but I've taken sort of the last five months off, which I guess I, I still am sort of an uncomfortable calling it this, but I guess taking seems super formal. But yeah, so that's what I'm up to now to dig and, and maybe kind of go back to the beginning. So originally from Montgomery, Alabama, grew up in the South, come from sort of a big, big extended family down there. I'm one of four siblings and yeah, it was a wonderful place to grow up and, you know, ended up sort of moving from, from like that period sort of knew I wanted to, to go and, and get out of the South and explore the rest of the world. And so sort of ended up moving out West for college, out to the Bay area, went to school, Stanford, did four years there and jumped over to New York for about seven years. Um, and now I'm currently back out in the Bay area Um, and I've been here for about three. Um, and yeah, so there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of geographical hopping. And I, I often like to say I'm still sort of in the process of trying to figure out where home is. Professionally, like over that time, I have done a lot of different things. So I graduated college uh, and sort of went into college with virtually like no idea what I wanted to major in and ended up sort of moving forward with econ. Um, which was, was great, but in a lot of ways, it's sort of the like, you know, the I don't know what I want to major in major, but it was wonderful and ended up while I was in school interning at, for an investment bank in New York, UBS, for a summer and then decided to sort of pursue that full time after college. And so I started my career in finance in New York, did that for two years. Very quickly within that time frame, I realized this was sort of not the path for me. It was like super fun and exciting in a lot of ways, like around a bunch of super smart, ambitious people. And but I think for me, it was one of the, one of the the things that I, I pretty quickly looked looked sort of up and above me and realized like I didn't necessarily want to be my bosses. I loved many of them, but like that wasn't sort of what I wanted to be. And uh, 
So pretty quickly made that decision, but decided to stick out the full two years and saved up a little bit of money and then immediately, you know, went and spent it all on a six month trip down to South America with, with my brother. So took a little bit of time off then. And then, yeah, came back to New York. And when I was in college, I had sort of gotten intrigued and actually like involved in uh, the startup scene out in the Bay. And so I had a little taste of like what it felt like to work at an early stage tech company. And even prior to moving to New York, I almost uh, rescinded my job offer and, and, and stayed with that company, ultimately decided not to. But I think all roads were sort of leading to me going to work back in early stage tech. So I moved back to New York and found a job at this super fun, exciting legal tech company called Shake and jumped on board to just effectively do all things that were not software engineering. And so it was an incredible way to sort of dive into to tech in New York, you know, work on a super small team, feel like I was del- delivering a lot of impact and learn a lot about a number of different functions. At that point, uh, kind of a year and a half to maybe two years in, I decided it was probably probably time uh, for me to make a transition and the company had, had sort of been, been acquired and um, I, at that point in time, decided I wanted to get a little bit more specialized because I walked away from that role and in a lot of ways could have interviewed and kind of did for most non-technical roles at tech companies. But I wanted to, to sort of jump to a, a bigger place and, and, uh, and yeah, and try to, try to lean into skill set a little bit more. And so that's what I did through joining Airbnb originally in business development and, and partnerships because I'd done a lot of that at, at Shake and ended up spending far longer than I expected to there, about four and a half years. And with that, in that time period, ironically, I didn't necessarily specialize. I ended up sort of moving from partnerships to product management. And that's where I spent the vast majority of my time. And that's actually what pushed me from New York to San Francisco. Yeah, it's a super long-winded story, but left Airbnb about a year ago and jumped sort of head into some volunteer and contract work for an organization that was involved in COVID response, which was very cool and super energizing. And, and, and yeah, and then decided to, to sort of move on to where I am now, part of this sabbatical phase. All righty. Well, I got a bunch of questions for you. Some of them related to that, some of them not, but I think a lot of them kind of stem from looking at what you your online presence in general whether it's your Substack or your LinkedIn or, or your site in general and stuff I admire how open you are about especially like this time period in your life right now like you want to figure out like what's next for you and like where your energy should go and you're very open about like what you have tried and like working with a coach and like I was listening to your music which I very much enjoy <laughs> so kudos that's that's good it seems like you let your curiosity kind of drive you to try out something rather than like saying no upfront to an event or experience. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a pretty uh, accurate representation and I appreciate the kudos on the music, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I would say that's the case. And, and I think it's, it's a super interesting observation. And in many ways I would say, that's sort of always been my natural tendency. But there have been times in life where I feel like I, I haven't necessarily sort of followed and leaned into that curiosity to the extent that, that might have been sort of most effective or most 
most fruitful or, or, or even most interesting. And I think that has in a lot of ways sort of led to where I am now. And like, we can, we can jump into this, but I think I'm, I've effectively over these last five months, just, just to your point, kind of just, just fully like submitted myself to the things that are super energizing to me as a way to sort of just see what happens on the other end. So was part of the sabbatical kind of spurred on from the fact of like, you felt like you were compressed, like you were denying yourself the expressing this energy, whether it's through music or through writing or whatever else, like you're interested in and all of this stuff, like you weren't able to express that. And therefore like you have all this pent up stuff and you're like, I have these ideas and this stuff that I want to show the world, but they're literally just like sitting there and they're doing nothing. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I think a lot of it was that. And I think particularly, I think part of it is, yeah, like I, the last, you know, let's say four to five years, I mean, for, for longer than that, basically, you know, when I joined Shake and certainly moving in, I was incredibly busy from a, a work perspective. And, and I think it was sort of just very easy to sort of get wrapped up in sort of ev- everything there is to get wrapped up in at sort of a large, you know, company like the size of Airbnb, right? It's effectively like a, a little mini bubble university called that. And so, yeah, so I think that I had been sort of over indexing on, on work at the, at the cost of sort of a lot of these, these projects or interests that were piquing my interest or that I'd always, always been interested in. And so in a lot, yeah. So I think the, this five months of sabbatical has been sort of like an unraveling of that where I've kind of fully given myself the time and the, the space and the, the like mental energy to, to like fully commit to like a few of these, yeah, projects that have always sort of been on my list that, that things that sort of seem, seem a little bit more like play, but the idea has been to sort of see what might happen if I were to take some of those a bit more seriously. So I don't know if you know the answers to this question and by all means do not (laughs) like do not feel pressure to answer this and whatever but do you know what you're looking for like do you have some sort of inkling in the back of your mind that's like pointing you in a direction whether it's you know a specific career or it's something some idea of your life that like that is Harris's dream or are you just kind of writing it day by day or month by month and kind of seeing what happens yeah it's a super good question I think the 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 short answer is I do not like I would say I, I, I don't know what I want my my life to look like I think I have I have some like principles that I've been sort of using deliberately to like guide how I'm spending my time and I have I have like some some ideas like certainly some specific ideas around around projects but I think a lot of this you know particularly as I start to to sort of move away from things that sort of feel a little bit more like play and then something that might look more like work I think a lot of this is is really kind of like an exercise and experiment in this like broader like instinct I've always had to want to just sort of have to, to work for myself um, and so I think there are a number of ways that I 
could potentially like fin like create that puzzle. But I think I haven't like deliberately haven't thought a ton about it over the last five months, but that's kind of what I'm moving towards for this this next chapter of the sabbatical. Yeah. Okay. All right. And before we get into the your aversion to the word sabbatical, I did want to point out I did really enjoy your principles, especially like how we were talking about earlier, like one of them is follow your energy and curiosity. And in particular, I highlighted the quote, I used to tell myself the story that I needed to feel like X in order to do Y I needed to become before I could start. And I thought that was super impactful. And I think a lot of people especially can relate to that. Like you need to have the equipment and the setup and you need to have everything put in place before you can actually begin the endeavor, which like then in turn becomes this like long-winded process that nine out of 10 times, you're probably not even going to make it to the start line because you literally think you need all of these things to begin. And do you think, how has that impacted your sabbatical and just kind of beginning projects or taking on reading or work or whatever it may be during this time and just starting rather than like putting it off and putting it off? Yeah, I I love that you brought that up. And I think like that single-handedly has been like one of if not like the most impactful like guiding force around how I've been thinking about the time I think for for me I think yeah I think like this like concept of like I like identity and identity change is super fascinating and I think I exactly your point had sort of been telling myself the story that like in order to be for example a writer like I needed to sort of be whatever a writer is, right? Before I could could start writing or a musician or an entrepreneur, right? And I think these are like a few of the archetypes that I have experimented with or I'm throwing or, or will be experimenting with. And I think the reality is that like, you don't become those things by just magically one day waking up and being them. Like it is in the action. And I think, writing for example is a super interesting example where um just to really sort of live into that principle the way i i started was i wrote 30 posts in 30 days and it was it was just like fascinating to see that like the longer and longer i wrote and certainly by the 30-day point like i felt so much more comfortable calling myself a writer Right. And nothing had changed aside from the fact that like I had happened to write 30 likely poorly written pieces <laughs> that I also posted publicly and sent out to this newsletter list. But I think that's been just, yeah, it's been fascinating. And I think particularly like, I would say we all sort of have this, it's very easy to fall into this sunk cost fallacy of particularly if you've had sort of years of not doing the thing like it can be even harder to reverse that trend. And so I think that was something that I had identified as being a pretty significant blocker to some of the stuff I wanted to do. And so, yeah, I'm glad you called that out. I think it's something that I've, I've been trying to live by uh, as much as possible. So how'd you kind of kick that in the ass and then pick the, the items? Cause you, you did the writing and I'm pretty sure you're still doing, I don't think you've finished the music thing yet. <laughs> I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure you haven't. And I think there's another project or something coming up. So how did you decide on these? And then why did you decide on the 30 day method? Yeah, it was, it was quite the, 
it was quite the the exercise and i think uh i so one of the things that i i, I did moving into this was i started working with a coach and you <laughs> you might hear that and your response might be like it even was for me as i was thinking about it was what why would I work with a coach now versus like when I actually have a job? But the idea was I really wanted to sort of have someone in my corner to help me architect what this sabbatical would look like as well as keep me accountable. I think one point on that, it was really interesting to see that there's not that much out there around like models, examples, frameworks for how people would even go about spending time like this. So it, it's pretty confusing. And so that's all to say, I started working with a coach and the first thing we did was basically run through this exercise of me listing out like every conceivable thing that I would consider doing over this time period. And it was ridiculous. <laughs> like I, I laugh out loud thinking about it because it was just so, so ridiculous. And like my list, I, I, I think I can have this tendency sometime is like to kind of try to boil the ocean. And I'm pretty sure my coach like laughed when she like looked at it for the first time, but it was super helpful. And like really for me to kind of name all the things I would want to do. And then with that, we went through the process of sort of whittling it down, not only at the project level, but also sort of at the, at the, higher level goals level. And so there were three things that we kind of came out with. One was uh, there were a bunch of things like writing and, and music and podcasting and all the stuff that kind of fit under this like umbrella of really just sort of like exercising my creative muscles and energy. And so that was one. The second one was this bucket of what I call like betting on myself. And so obviously the company like Airbnb and startup beforehand, I was an employee. And so I've always wanted to kind of embark on a journey of, again, what I call betting on me, which is effectively working for myself. And so I think there are a bunch of interesting ways to do that. And, and the list included a bunch of those. And so the second one was like betting on me. And then the third one was authenticity. So that list included a lot of things like you know, like finding my voice and, you know, like becoming more authentic, like leaning into my North Star, like stuff like that, which is you hear it and you kind of write it off. But I think there's a ton to it. And so I didn't want to lose that thread. So those were the three themes. But I think to get to your question, like your initial question, like, okay, then how do you even go about like ordering those? And so I, I really struggled with this because I think my natural tendency is to want to do a lot of different things all at one point in time. And the good thing is I was well aware of that. And I also had sort of a coach in my corner to keep me honest. And so this is to, to sort of bring back up the principles, like one of the big principles around how I wanted to use this time was one that uh, I think I phrased as like, commit with hell yeah or say no and so Derek Sivers is he just as incredible you should if you google him and go devour all the stuff but he has this incredible article of what it means to sort of say like commit to something in a hell yeah type of way and so for me like uh, in a lot of ways to combat like my tendency to want to do too many things and sort of at the end of the tunnel 
feel like I hadn't accomplished anything. I wanted to really fully commit. Um, and so with that in mind, I basically decided to, to, to commit to like each of these chunks wholly. And I think I was at a place where, uh, particularly professionally, like I, I really wanted to kind of unwind a little bit, got more comfortable with the idea of sort of not making money for a few months and not working. So once I was able to sort of get over some of those fears and anxieties, it was like super clear that what I did not want to do was immediately jump back into sort of the next work thing. And so that's where this, this chapter of like creative expression kind of rose to the top of the list. And so I spent my first three months just, just completely focused on that. And so the two primary activities within that were writing and making music. Was this pretty much like the only time or the first time, the first time in your life that as like a, you know, conscious adult who is in control of his life, like you took the initiative to kind of sit back and like force yourself to slow down and actually like, you know, go through all of the baggage. Cause one of the things I noticed is I can't remember what it's called, but you did like that two day thing. And so like, you're going through like your childhood traumas and just all of this stuff that piles up and piles up and all the emotional awareness, you were really like taking the time to build like a solid foundation that in turn is going to like carry on for the rest of your life, not just for the next, for the six months of your sabbatical. Yeah, de- I definitely, I think this was I'd taken, taken time off one other time in my career, and that was between my first and second jobs. But that was sort of a more adventurous, like, let's go travel and see the world. Certainly less introspective. And yeah, I think this was really kind of the, the first time since I'd entered the working world that I've really taken a step back in what I hope is like a super deliberate way. And so, yeah, the... the the program you mentioned is this two-day introduction into the Hoffman process. And it's incredible. I strongly recommend it. Tim Ferriss actually has a great podcast with the founder of Tom's where they get in even more details. But yeah, I mean, so this was sort of one of, of various things that, yeah, that I, I had been just sort of taking the time while I have it to do before I kind of launch back into the next thing. Yeah. So what's been the biggest, the biggest pro, biggest positive, however you want to coin it, that you maybe didn't expect from, it doesn't have to necessarily be like the emotional aspect side of it, but from this journey so far, like what have you seen the most benefit from doing that you didn't foresee? Yeah, that's a super good question. I think the, the, the thing that I think of most that's top of mind is I don't think I expected there to be that to, I didn't expect so many opportunities to arise as the result of focusing. And so I think what I mean by that is I, let's take writing as an example. I like, we likely would not be speaking right now had I not decided to commit to writing I'm you know, currently a fellow in, in if both are in, in on deck, like that program would not have happened. And so, and I would have never sort of discovered the fact that I really sort of enjoy the, the practice and the, and the creative process behind it. And there are this 
whole like universe of writing related opportunities that I could have never conceived of five months ago before I started. And so I think it, it it's just, yeah, it's just been like this crazy exercise and realization of just like, just when you like, I think oftentimes we tend to think that by focusing, we're sort of eliminating a bunch of opportunities. And to some extent, that's definitely the case, but I think we oftentimes don't anticipate just like the the number and like the wealth of opportunities that are at the other end of that. Yeah, are you a big fan of, I just referenced this earlier today, but like I'm reading Letting Go right now by, I think it's Hawkins or Hawkins. And he's like, you just tell the universe what you want <laughs> and you kind of forget about it. And then like things start to appear as you just kind of let situations go and you like sit with the emotions, but you're not like actively letting that absorb your energy. I, I love that. And I, I think it's like, I feel like I did, I spent sort of my first month or two super, like, I think just anxious and fearful and uncertain. And I think exactly to that point, like just the more I was able to like focus on sort of the doing and like the inputs and the process and the, you know, the practices around some of this stuff. Like, it, I, yeah, I think it's exactly that point. You just kind of, kind of like name it and move forward and like, you know, trust that something will be on the, on the other end of it, but it's just, it's, it's, yeah, I find it just fascinating that oftentimes sort of the best things that happen to you are the ones that you had, like never could have any, had any conceivable idea of being the case. I want to touch on why does the word sabbatical leave a sour taste in your mouth? <laughs> that's another, another really good question. I don't, that's, ah, oh, it's such a good question. I, it just sounds like is it society, like the ideas that kind of stem around from it? Like, not that, well, I don't know, but like, is there like an embarrassment with it or there's no information on it? Like you don't, you just are like in a state of like, I don't know what to do because no one talks about it. Like, I don't know. These are just thoughts that I theoretically could yeah, see yeah, yeah. potentially. Well, I think, yeah, in some ways it's like, it just seems super formal and and in, in, in a lot of ways seems like like kind of more short-term, like you go do a sabbatical and then you sort of go back to doing what you were doing beforehand. And I think in a lot of ways, the way that I've been thinking about this time is like, this is just sort of a natural, yeah, like, yes, I'm not working, but it is just sort of a natural progression of my journey. And I absolutely expect to sort of on the, on the other end of this, sort of be a different person and think differently about my priorities and, and, and likely be in a different place. So maybe, maybe that's, that's what bothers me about it. So if you had to coin a new term for it, what would you call this, this phase then? I'm pretty sure I have stolen this from someone I'm trying to think of who, like what, like I've heard it referred to as like wayfinding, which I really love. And I think Martha Beck is actually she would be the source there. Yeah. So I like that. Would you equate it to something different? Like, cause it doesn't seem quite like a restart. Like you're, you know, like you're not going back and redoing the whole thing again. You're literally like taking yourself, like pausing where you are and compiling all of this stuff. And then you're figuring out like, if you're going to go left, right, diagonal, jump up and down, like whatever it is you're going to do, like you're ultimately 
you're paused <laughs> and then figuring out the direction. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think it's like, it's, it's both a pause, but also like, I think one of the principles is just to like, within the pause, like kind of learn by doing. Right? Like both, both certainly introspect, but also to try to do like, just do and act as much as possible all within this, to your point, like kind of bubble of a reset. What have been two books that were impactful either currently or you could do like your whole life in general? Two books. Let's do currently because I, so, okay. So two, one would be, and I wrote about this in my newsletter. This was my favorite book that I read in 2020. And it's called The Three Marriages by David White. And I highly recommend it for a number of reasons. One being that David White, he's a poet by trade. And so it's just absolutely like beautiful and exquisite and in, in just the quality of the writing. Certainly, yeah, the best, best written self-help book, if you want to call it that, you want to read. But, but the idea is that like he kind of cringes at the, the, the concept of work-life balance. And sort of posits this argument that that by by trying to sort of balance out your work, the relationship with your work, the relationship with yourself, and then the relationship with sort of friends and family and, and like a partner, you actually end up sort of doing a disservice to to sort of all of them. And his recommendation instead is to sort of just like accept that there's sort of this constant tension between all of them and do a bunch of inquiry to like, just find out why that's the case. But I think the more that sort of we can be whole in our work and our relationships with ourselves and our relationships with the, like the most meaningful relationships in our lives, partners, um, he's, he, he tends to think that that's sort of the optimal outcome. And he uses this metaphor of like, moving through through life as if you're having a conversation right so oftentimes the 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 way to sort of like optimize for the best path for yourself is not always to try to like force order around chaos but it is equally as important to sort of have a conversation with that chaos and have a conversation with work and yourself and listen to sort of what the world around you is telling you you should be doing that book's exceptional. The second one for this year, I've got to say, is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. That's a good book. Yes. So good. And I've been kind of like immersing myself in you know, a bunch of sort of books around the creative process, but it's just so good. And I think it's, I, I had a friend who, who said she reads this like once a year because it's, it's just like such a powerful message, but it's a pretty long book just about kind of the creative process and how to like harness and, and really live a creative life. And it's just, it's just so good. It's, it's so good. And like, it's so inspirational. And I just like absolutely tore it up. And she's just like, Elizabeth Gilbert, I have a huge crush on Elizabeth Gilbert. She's just, she's incredible. And I've never read You Put Love, I promise. I think the biggest takeaway I had from it personally was, I'm going to get the quote wrong, but she's essentially talking about like, you have to have the courage to kind of set aside your fear and put your creativity out there like it doesn't matter what anyone else is going to say because ultimately like nobody really truly cares nine out of ten times but you're doing 
a disservice to yourself by not putting it out there and like allowing yourself to be expressive. But that relates to something you had said, which I was actually going to touch on before you brought that up was you wanted to create more content rather than consume, which I think is a is a cycle that a lot of people get into. And it, I mean, it goes back to the creativity is like a lot of people. And I felt like this at times too, of like, you feel like you don't have a voice or you don't have anything to share, but we're like constantly consuming. And ultimately like you sharing your ideas is what's going to put you five steps ahead or get people to create a conversation and just create this whole community and atmosphere, which I think is ultimately more important and getting rid of that fear I think like I have for most of my life fallen into this trap where I consume so much and there's obviously just so much more out there to consume nowadays, but yeah, between like books and podcasts and articles and, and whatever, I think I just like, yeah, I, I particularly towards the middle and end of last year, just realized like in a lot of ways, like what is the point of consuming if you're not sort of reflecting or like reflecting what you're consuming back into the world in some way. And I just kind of observed that like, yes, like I was loving the consumption, but like I had also been sort of just gifted by, by so much of the sharing other people had done. And like, but certainly like selfishly for myself, like I wanted to just to sort of like share and lean into that creativity. And I think it's just sort of like a natural instinct that all of us have. But even principally, like I, to your point, like I learned so much, certainly from like Elizabeth Gilbert, but like likely even more so from folks that, you know, are sort of way earlier in their creative journeys, but have sort of the courage and the comfort with the vulnerability to, to share. And I think there's just a lot of power to sharing. And it's just like super interesting also to just sort of see what comes back, you know, and see what see what resonates, you know, like see who reaches out, see, you know, like I, I, I feel like I am in a lot of ways, just so much closer to friends and family, like people that I was already incredibly close to as a result of this on top of having, you know, reconnected with, with a bunch of sort of old and, and new, new friends. And I'm sure this, this resonates big time with, <laughs> with the podcast and, and the blog and stuff. Yeah, no, there's tearing down those walls and just, you know, letting what happens flow in and just naturally kind of seeing how people respond and react and creating like an actual sense of like a bond with people is just hugely transformational in like all aspects of life. And I think that's, you know, like one of the things that you do have to unfortunately like kind of figure out is like on your own, like you know, you took the steps and hopefully other people do, but if you don't like take the steps for your own emotional journey and intelligence, it's like, you're going to get to a point and you're not going to know what to do because like society doesn't necessarily prep you for that. There's not like a course to take or something like, you know, you have to personally go find a course or read books and like take this journey because the journey does look different for everyone, but from like hearing your story and other people's like, it is so impactful on literally every facet of your life. It is. And I, I think like, yeah, it's just like you, I think we oftentimes, like you oftentimes sort of, we, we don't think that we have anything original to share, but I think it's just, 
it's yeah it's just fascinating to to basically like learn that that's like absolutely not the case you know and and like in a lot of ways just like sh there's so much power in like sharing the ordinary and just yeah just like the ability to sort of see yeah just see how people are walking through these various various processes so you just never know what's going to resonate do you think part of this sabbatical and kind of figuring out who you are and stuff like do you uh, I don't know how to phrase this this might come off wrong but <laughs> like want to leave a mark like you want to like leave the world with something essentially like did you not feel like you were doing that in your previous jobs I could be completely wrong here but I'm just kind of like free balling yeah it's a good good question I mean I think the way I think maybe one way to to think to think about it is I like there are plenty of things that I liked about the last few jobs I've had, but I think there are also sort of plenty of things that were missing. And so in a lot of ways, I think it was sort of this sense of just things not being sort of completely whole or aligned and, and like wanting to, you know, like explore whether or not there's like something on the other side of that. And, and yeah, and I think like, you know, also just like there's the concept of like this like regret minimization framework, which which I'm sure you've heard of, but you know, like to the idea that like when making decisions or thinking about moving in, in one direction or the other, it's super helpful to sort of think about like what would your 80 year old self say? And so I think this was one of those things for me that you know, like if this whole thing like blew up in six months, I'm not even sure like what that would mean, but I would still feel just like so good about having spent the time in this way, even if again, the result was like, I go back and get the, you know, do exactly what I was doing beforehand. So. I love it. <laughs> so I have five, four questions, five questions for you. So the first is we're talking about books. So I asked this question, to everyone. So if you had a book written about you, what would the title of the book be? Oh, it's a hard one. Are you looking at your library? I, I, <laughs> yes, I'm <laughs> trying to distract myself. I think I'm going to go with, with sur surfing into me. And so so like surfing is my my favorite like physical hop like sport and hobby yeah and i just think you know this may be biased by <laughs> by the sabbatical but i would love to just like read a story about someone sort of moving into to themselves in the course of course of life all right i'll be waiting for it then you know when it's published and it's out there that's it that's at the end of odw2 there we go. <laughs> Published in the next seven weeks. If you had 30 to 60 seconds to describe to a complete stranger who came up to you on the side of the street and asked what you did, what would you say? Wow, this is actually really tough for me to answer right now. Yep. Should like, I answer my, my old job? We'll see. It's 
interesting because some people interpret it as the way I actually meant it. And some people take it as the literal definition of like what they do, like their career is their life. And I actually initially intended it to be like getting rid of that idea of like your career is your life and like who is Harris Brown and 30 to 60 seconds. Like that would be my ideal takeaway, <laughs> um, but you can interpret it as you wish. Okay. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think, yeah, like to take it as like, I guess who am I? I think I would say, I don't know, like a, a, a collection of a bunch of different random identities, a writer, a musician, a product manager, like a brother, a partner, <laughs> a son, like, but yeah, I think like just all, all of those things, like currently in the pursuit of like what makes me tick and what energizes me. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. And I mean, I, I appreciate that question. a lot of people take away from it. Like you're very honest and open about it. And I mean, you don't have to have it figured out. And I mean, most people don't, but I'm very appreciative that like you are going through this journey and like sharing it so that others can then in turn learn from it. Awesome. I appreciate you saying that. If you had 24 yeah. hours to live, unlimited money, and could travel anywhere at the snap of your fingers and bring whoever you wanted, what would you do? Wow. This is an even crazier question to ask in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> I think, so like one of my happy places is the New Orleans Jazz Fest. And we've had a group of friends and family going for eight years, broke them out last year. So I think I would fly down to New Orleans, fly in sort of, you know, all, all of my, <laughs> my close friends and family and have an extended 24 hour long, yeah, New Orleans Jazz Fest. Y'all are gonna be running the street. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. <laughs> The next one is, would Harris at 8, 10, 12, you know, whatever age you want to pick, kind of in that range, would he be happy with where you are now and what you're doing? If you'd asked me this question a year ago, I'm not sure if the answer would have been the same, but right now in this moment, I think, yes. And it actually feels really good to say that. I think a lot of, and a big reason I think why I answer yes is, I think a lot of this time over, you know, during the sabbatical over the last six months and really over the last certainly year or, or two has been to kind of like unlearn and, and get back to that like eight, 10, 12 year old self. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe that kid would like to have a better answer to what are you doing with your life, but would hopefully be proud of actually engaging with the question. What do you want to accomplish either personally, professionally, and or both in the next six to 12 months? Yeah, I have a few and, and I feel like I'm actually pretty clear on these, which is good, kind of in the spirit of, of more, more focus. Professionally, two things. So one is to really lean into a writing practice and, and lean into sort of consistency there to sort of see what comes of that by the end of this year. 
And then the second one is to start to move, yeah, move, move in the direction of sort of creating this professional life of, of what will be sort of betting, betting on me over the next year. And yeah, just really sort of actualize and, and realize that, that plan. And then personally, oh, wow, I would love to just see more humans and like in person and, you know, give a few people some hugs. And then the second one is, yeah, my wife and I are in the process of trying to start a family. So I think that'll, that will be a big focus this year. My two takeaways from my conversation with Harris are, first, being vulnerable and open doesn't make you inferior in any way, shape, or form. It actually transforms not only your relationship with yourself and allowing yourself to be honest about who you are and your faults, where you've been, but also where you want to go, it also transforms your relationship with others. Second is the power of exploring creatively what you want and allowing yourself the time and space to do so in a manner where you respect the craft for what it is. You give it light instead of continuing to put it off for later and for later until later becomes some far off distant day where you just never get around to it. Instead, he hones in on that and he's allotted himself time to pursue these creative tasks that really bring him energy. 